Francis Chan Friday, Christian Comics, and Bible Baffle. That's Kwame and Company on the Word. For I love Bible Baffle. I listen whenever I can every day so that I learn more about the Word. And the music is so uplifting. And I love that you have the weather and the updates on what's happening in the world and locally. Oh, she loves the radio program, Kwame and Company. We do some of those things here, although weather is harder for us on a podcast. <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah. Now, the weather yesterday was, uh, you know. <laughs> Depending on what, yeah, who cares what it was on that day? Yeah, you give uh, yeah, the Not date a lot of people and... listening to a podcast care what the weather was no, when you recorded yeah, it. Yeah, it's tough to do. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could do Farmer's Almanac kind of weather. This winter looks to be cold and dark. You know, but... <laughs> <laughs> really long-range forecast. At the end of summer, we expect a cooling trend, and and, uh, uh, yeah. and then by June it'll warm days. up again. Yeah, in shorter days. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the moon will rise, the sun will go up and down. <laughs> so I got a couple of Minnesota news stories to start this whole thing out here. This is Kwame Company podcast number seventeen. Um, now, we're, boy, next week or uh, we'll get into the twenties pretty soon. Well, that'd be the week after next, I guess. Uh, a large group of Minnesota residents set a world record uh, last weekend. Now, I would have thought this record might have been higher, but it's still a significant number. Officials say 330 people in Lake Minnetonka at the same time uh, last Saturday did this thing. They broke a, a previous world record of 253, and this time it was 330. Do you have any idea what they did on Lake Minnetonka last weekend. 330 folks. Went water skiing. Uh, that's a good guess, but no, it, they floated on pool noodles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they had to be just, like connected or just randomly floating on the lake, but they, they were sure. close enough so they could count them. This is the Minnesota based foundation project got your back put on the event and they plan to use all the proceeds to help veterans transition into civilian life. Oh, that's why they call it Got Your Back. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so I'd like to look that up now and see if there's a video of that. Uh, number two story from Minnesota. The Minnesota Historical Society is aiming to tell history from a Native American's point of view. The Native American Undergraduate Museum Fellowship students are helping the museum shift their focus to center uh, Native voices. Uh, Minnesota historians say they're recognizing that American history is Native history, and they're working to decolonize its history. Okay, I I get that, and I understand that. I I think you we've underutilized uh, history to tell the story of Native Americans for a long time, and it's about time. We don't want to stop talking about, uh, you know, uh, history that happened since the 1700s. But right. But I think that's a worthwhile project from the Minnesota Historical Society. Cool. All right. Well, okay, we're on a roll. Let's do one more Minnesota story. This is Minnesota, Wisconsin. They're going to they're gonna ask for federal funding to rebuild the Blatnick Bridge. Apparently it's got some I didn't know it had issues. a name to it. Blatnik. I think that's uh was a legislator or a mayor of Twin, Twin Ports or something. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 the Blatnik Bridge. More than 33,000 vehicles cross the Blatnik Bridge per day. 
you know, those people that live in Superior and are Gotta going go to Duluth to, yeah. to work. Sure. You work one and live the other or mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. Now, I don't know if they count people that go over the bridge several times. Twice? Yeah. <laughs> At least twice. It's probably 33,000 trips across the I'm bridge. I'm guessing. I'm guessing 3,000. Because they probably had just one of those little counters on the road. Yeah. Okay. With the little rubber hose that yep. goes across uh-huh. the all right, so Governor Wall says the bridge is a critical piece of infrastructure because it provides a vital route for regional commerce, tourism, and emergency services. Okay, I'll give you that. Well, and you don't want it to fall into Lake Superior. So. No, that'd be bad. Uh, and you got a bridge there that doesn't have to go up and down. Right, yeah. <laughs> like the, like the Wait for bridge. the lift bridge, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a long bridge. I've, I've sat in that line. and It is. I have, too. If you had to get to your job or like an emergency appendectomy or something. <laughs> and you're sitting there waiting for that thing to line. move. Uh, oh. Yeah. Or even a carload of kids and three of them need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right. You know. Uh. Well, anyway, at least it's not that kind of bridge. But here's, what, here's the gist of the story. They're asking for federal money to rebuild the Blatnick Bridge. You know how much there? Oh, I told you before, so you know how much. But, yeah, but I was going to guess. I was going to say billions, but you said it's a billion. Yeah, one billion dollars. I figured it was billion. Be- that used to be like incomprehensible that yeah. some the project would cost a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. The, the, you start thinking about what else a billion dollars could do, right? Like go to the moon or something. <laughs> We've already been there. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, so that's some Minnesota news. Anyway, we've got other Minnesota news here from PK as she concludes her interview with the ladies of the My Neighbor to Love Coalition. Okay. 91.5 and 102.7, The Word. I'm PK along with Vicki Kinney and Stephanie Pontius from My Neighbor to Love Coalition. And we've been talking this week about the fourplex that is, it's just absolutely so exciting because you can start to see that it's coming um, to fruition and painting is taking place. They need volunteers. There's a fundraiser. So many things are happening. And I, I just think that you guys have an incredible vision and I'm so appreciative of this. And I think of, um, part of that vision is to end homelessness, correct? Absolutely. So, so here's my big question. Um, having experienced this in our own life and not being able to have that family member even Mm -hmm. consider coming in off the street. Mm-hmm. What kind of things have you learned from those that you've been talking with? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of program are they looking for? Um, not every homeless person is exactly the same. I realize right. that, but I think it's a, a good time for maybe some education too, you know, I'm because I think it's 30 below. Can we help you? And it, and it's, and it's just so heart wrenching when you feel like you can't, what, what kind of things have you learned? to be able to address that. There is such a wide range of yeah. people experiencing homelessness. And, and I know a lot of people just maybe aren't really aware of that in our community, that sometimes it is mental health issues. Sometimes it um, could be addiction. Sometimes just a lot of trauma. Um, people that are, are leaving the foster care system, some people that haven't had support and they're adults and they're, they're just struggling. We've seen people going from two incomes down to one and no longer being able to afford an apartment um, to live. So there's such a wide range. And and what we're finding that one of the most important things is to really hear from the people themselves of what they're needing. Um, There's so many people that come with a top-down approach, like, you know, we're going to help you, we're going to fix you, we're going to, you know, make you better and fix your life. And instead of really listening to the the people that are actually 
have lived experience. So, so we've been meeting, meeting with them and talking with them of, of what would you like to see? If we're building this, this health center, what do you want to see? Is it, you know, on-site support services? Is it, um, you know, a, a recovery program? Do you know, would that be helpful? And they're offering what they would like to see, you know, even the design of the buildings and the, the land and, you know, wanting that space and that, you know, area around them, the idea of porches and, and all of this. So we're really listening to, to those who, who have that experience because they, they, people know what they need. They, they know, do I need help with employment? Do I need help mm-hmm. with my mental health? Do I need just to have some friends? And so it's, it's really listening to them. And then we come along and say, how can we support that? This model is built on the idea that um, we are all in the image of God and we've all been designed with purpose for a purpose. And so we're approaching people um, with that full awareness of that you have things to offer. Mm-hmm. We can learn from you. We are working together side by side. Um, and when we did a survey of some of the unsheltered people who were stopping by our place, that was one of the things that came out is, you know, oh, if I could just have my own space. And so there's a lot of healing that happens to just have a safe place to be. And 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 then this place of belonging where, again, it's it doesn't feel transactional. It feels like a friendship. Hmm. And so we're, we're building a supportive friends network of um, and looking to involve the wider community, churches and others to come in. And uh, once we have our community health center host events, uh, you know, the residents can, you know, come up with ideas, we'll come alongside them. And, and so just really, it's really about building community, and I think that philosophy and perspective makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to say there, you know, we're so thankful for the warming shelter because you're talking about the 30 below weather. There is definitely a need for an emergency short term solution. Sure. And we're so thankful for that. We are bringing in the long term solution, you know, that's uh, that path to ending your homelessness. And our housing can be permanent. We're assuming there'll be some people that will transition out. They'll get their stabilized, get their feet on the ground, have their employment and and be ready to move into something bigger. But a lot of people they've found um, will will stay because it's a place to belong. And, sure. and that makes all the difference. And I would think that as the fourplex is finished and families move in, individuals move in, there's probably going to be a lot more learning that goes on there too because you'll continue that relationship and they'll be like hey what about this or what about that so this this counting on that we're hoping for many more buildings many more housing units to come so yeah yeah, we are really hoping for that support i I love Mm -hmm. the vision this is fantastic so we're giving you an opportunity to get involved the fourplex needs some volunteers and then there's also a fundraiser that's coming up august 31st and give us the website one more time where people can get involved it's mntlc.org. Um, and on there, you can look at the tab where it says events if you'd like to um, you know, attend the fundraiser. Um, otherwise, there's also a, um, another tab for how to get involved. And so there's some volunteer opportunities. So okay. we'd love people to, to join the coalition and help end homelessness in our area. Well, God bless you both and your teams as you continue to just work towards these goals because this is fantastic. And you're being the hands and feet of Jesus in a, in a, in a remarkable way. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And thanks for joining me this week. I've been talking with Vicki Kinney, the board chair, and Stephanie Pontius, the board secretary for My Neighbor to Love, 
Coalition. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Whether it's by intercom or rattling the wall, we'll get Amy's attention for Kwame and Company on 91.5 and 102.7 The Word. We had a very important Minnesotan uh, pass away. Uh, let's see, that was on the 18th. Former Minnesota Governor Al Qui died at almost 100 years old, the state's 35th governor and Republican member of Congress for over 20 years. And that's just part of his life. Right. So we, we uh, want to honor Al Qui. Uh, he represented Minnesota's first congressional district. So that's down south, right? The first district or the, because up here is the seventh and eighth is the the northern. Yeah, so it must be south. uh, uh, This, uh, well, let's see, what town is it? There's a town. Yeah, he said it. I said it before. I can't remember remember what it was either. Uh, We'll get to it. Uh, (laughs) It's part of the story. (laughs) Yeah, it's down further. Uh, He died just a month shy of his 100th birthday. His son, Joel, talked to the press uh, and I don't know how old Joel is. That's uh, 75, 80, 80 years old. <laughs> we talked about that on the air with us, yeah. too, that, that uh, whenever there's somebody 100 years old and they talk to their kids, you know. You, <laughs> their kids are like, oh, 80. yeah, you're planning for your funeral. Like, right. that's, yeah. that's the age that you start thinking about. Okay. Well, a lot of times yeah. uh, people that are 100, all their kids are dead. I mean. Oh, that, yeah, that, that has happened. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, we... we um, uh, we're going to play a piece of tape here from Al Qui, Governor Al Qui, former governor, and his relationship with Chuck Colson, who used to be on the radio all the time. He passed away about 11 years ago, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, the the uh, founder of Prison Fellowship. And Prison Fellowship, of course, is still ongoing. And uh, the Breakpoint program uh, is from Prison Fellowship. Um he was special counsel to President Richard Nixon, went to prison for his role in Watergate, uh, and became a Christian and an evangelical, helping inmates uh, with the prison fellowship. And Governor Cui remembers not liking him very much <laughs> <laughs> at first. Sure. Uh, he said, uh, and I'm not sure, I can't remember if this was on the tape or not. I don't think it was. He said, I was in Congress at that time, and I refused to go to any meetings in the White House where he was, when he was present because I knew the kind of shenanigans he was up to. Mm. Well, that's, you know, okay. Governor Cui, as a Republican, not going to the White House because he didn't approve of what was going on there with Chuck Colson. That shows a certain amount of chutzpah as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just party line. Well, everything my party's doing is correct. He stood up right. against it. Yep. So, okay, let's uh, let's uh, roll the tape here. Here's Al Qui talking about his eventual friendship with Chuck Colson. I was in Congress at that time, and I refused to go to any meeting in the White House where he was present because I knew the, the kind of shenanigans he was up up to. And uh, and so when I got a friend of mine called and said that that uh, his friend uh, up in uh, Boston had said they thought he had come to believe in Jesus Christ and asked if there was anybody who could mentor him down in uh, Washington, and it came to me. And uh, I said yes, only because about two and a half years earlier, I had an encounter with the Lord, and uh, and that I shouldn't turn my back on 
people who committed crimes. And uh, I started going to Lorton Penitentiary and visiting prisoners there and got to know those African-American prisoners pretty pretty well. Uh, there's a group of us who started meeting with him, uh, and uh, there were two Democrats, uh, Harold Hughes, who was about as liberal as you could come in the Congress, and uh, Graham Purcell from Texas, who was more like a moderate Republican, and, and myself, and a guy named Doug Coe. And so we met together regularly uh, for, for a long period of time, and then... Uh, when Chuck was in prison and so forth. And so when he uh, uh, started Prison Fellowship Ministry, when he came out, he asked me to go on the board, and I said, no, as long as I'm in government, I'm not going to do that. But as soon as I left the governorship, then he asked me to come on the board, and I served there and was uh, president myself for a while of Prison Fellowship Ministry, so uh, after I did some work as a director in the state. And so that, that's my background. And uh, so if you want to have a, a know of a man who changed, like probably you could talk about St. Paul, uh, there's a man who had. And, and uh, I tell you, I, I would trust my life with him uh, in all these years that we walked together since he came out of prison. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure did. He knew, he knew that was wrong. He never, you know, the people who don't, uh, and th- they make excuses for what they did, but he he just was open about what he what he did and all. So yeah, I I wouldn't have uh, right now. I wouldn't know so many people who were corrupt in their life. In fact, murderers. Uh, if it hadn't been for that myself uh, of knowing him, but uh, yes, there I I met all kinds of people who just turned their life around. And they're walking uh, lives straight as can be now. Now, it isn't everybody who does. It's not that miraculous. But there are uh, there's a host of people now who uh, are out of prison and uh, good citizens. Chuck has a part of it, but Chuck has had influence on other people who have also reached out to prisoners. So it isn't just Chuck. And and when a person reaches out, and then there has to be congruity with their life and how they live it. And he lived his life all this time after he was in prison in a way that that caused people to say it's for real. There we go. That's the voice of Al Quee, who passed away recently, and uh, talking about Chuck Colson, who passed away about 11 years ago now. And so there have been all kinds of folks uh, saying uh, remembrances of Al Quee now. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, former Governor Palenti said he treated people with respect and civility and decency, and I wish we had more of that in today's politics. Uh, current Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan uh, made a statement. I don't know if the current governor has said anything yet. I haven't seen that, but uh, Peggy Flanagan said this. Governor Alqui embodied the spirit of public service and selflessness from his time at the United States Navy to Congress and the governor's office. Using his deep faith as a bedrock, Governor Kui led with dignity and respect for his fellow Minnesotans and worked across the aisle to make our state and our country better for all of us. That was very nice remarks there from the current Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. Denison. He's from Denison, Minnesota. Denison. You can look that up. Thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Denison down Rice, south. Rice County. Yep. Okay. So we'll miss him. And we, we were talking on the radio program how, you know, these... 
non-professional politicians that mm-hmm. we had in those days. Al yep. Cui, a farmer. Right. Uh, he defeated Rudy Perpich, and then Rudy came back and ran after Al Cui's term and won again. Rudy, right. a dentist on the Iron Range, you know. Right. That's cool. I like that. Very cool. And it's not a lifelong career. Right. You go back to what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. I yep. can always farm again. Yep. Those were the, I mean, I didn't get to meet Al Qui, yeah. but like Rudy Perpich and Rudy Boschwitz and. Boschwitz a floor, sold flooring. Yes. <laughs> of course, in a big way. Yes. Because, yeah. uh, I forget the name of the I can't remember the company, name. There was a place down on 94. I can't remember Flora, what it was called. Floor and Tile it was like the Home Depot before there was Home Depot. Yeah, but it was, but it was mostly uh, flooring, flooring, and, and yeah. wall coverings and I that kind of stuff. I just cannot remember what it was. Plywood, okay. Minnesota. That's it. Yeah, yep. plywood, plywood, Minnesota. Minnesota. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember they, those commercials too. And they're gone now. I think they became yeah. something else. He was on the commercials with his sons. Yeah, with the big glasses and the flannel uh-huh. shirt. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Ah, uh, well, flavored Minnesota milk politics. at the fair. We're thinking back to the seventies and beyond. Yeah, all right. I'm only remembering the 80s. I was oh, okay. I was a all baby right. in the 70s. All so right. yeah. Sorry, all right. Very I good. can't reminisce about no, the 70s. But no, yeah. I won't ask you to do that. <laughs> this is Kwame Company on the Word. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, when we come back, Jerry and finding time. Ooh, right. doesn't everybody want to find time? Yeah, that's right. Slow talkers, Dan and Chen, portion size, and our panel of experts. It's Kwame and Company on 91.5 and 102.7 The Word. Well, my friend Jerry does this column. Now, Jerry's uh, always railing against uh, uh, undisciplined use of social media. I'll say undisciplined use because he does, you know, obviously people are going to use social media, but you can't let it control your life. And uh, here's uh, here's what Jerry has to say about this. You know, Jerry, right? He, uh, teacher I'm familiar with stuff. him. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jerry says American users of TikTok spend an average of, okay, I'll see what you think. They, uh, t- minutes a day on TikTok if you are a normal TikTok user. Three and a half hours. Uh, you're not so far off. 93 minutes a day. So that's well, an hour, hour and, and a half. half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Double the time on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. See, and that's what I was thinking, I guess. I love it when I when my thing says, oh, you average this. And I was like. Yeah. Oh, your that. screen time is. Yeah, yeah. But my screen time includes, I I listen to books. Well, yeah. Or, that, or, mine watch, too, and then, or like yeah. listen to shows while I'm cleaning and mowing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, it's, so it I have to look at the. Artificially bumps it up. I have to look at the actual stuff that it, what, you know what, what was social thing. media okay yeah. yeah well jerry says that's a whale of a lot more time mm. than they spend on schoolwork <laughs> right yeah no doubt and that's a fact confirmed by sensor tower analytics did a study mm. on that schoolwork versus social media well it's not even close uh, even if you don't use tiktok never heard of it or think you don't spend that long on it digital distractions are everywhere whether it's TikTok or something else, how can we say all we need is another hour in the day, more time to get <laughs> things done when we've already had enough? Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And this is another wake-up call that we can gain control of our time. The power within us, uh, all of us, is there to be exercised by being mindful all day of how we choose to use our time. Watch TV, 
That's 141 hours a month. This is average, apparently. Mm-hmm. 1,692 hours a year or 15 years of your life if you live at the oh. average life expectancy of 78. Is that not sad? That's a long time. How would you use 93 minutes a day? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry says, I can't wait to ask a classroom full of students this fall <laughs> how they would use 93 minutes of found time. And I'll probably claim some of it for their homework assignments. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I one of my like pet peeves from my piano students is I didn't have time to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're 10. <laughs> you're literally 10. What do you, you, were, you, and I generally will say something like, Oh, I'm, were you, were you busy making supper? <laughs> Washing clothes. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Your mom have you like Cinderella on yeah. the floor, washing the yeah. floor by hand or no, you chose not to do it. You chose to do something. Else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You're busy watching YouTube most likely. Well, that's, uh, yeah. that's what the kids do. The yeah. younger ones, they yeah. end up on YouTube. Yeah. They find little kid videos that you're uh-huh. put on some goes from one. There. Oh, my kids are, the boys are terrible with that. Yeah. And so yesterday, they were stuck in the camper because we're, we were getting uh, the cement sidewalks and yeah. stuff like that poured. So, so we need the dog. the new house, so the kids had to stay in the camper. Yeah, so yeah. we had the dog away from the house so he didn't step in the cement. Oh, yeah, that'd be bad. Uh-huh. So they were all they had to do out there was their phones. Okay. And so I kept on getting notifications from them asking for me to approve things. Oh, and oh the, you got that system going. Right. So yeah. they asked for YouTube. I gave it to them once and approved it for an hour. And then they said it to me again, nope, <laughs> find something else. Yeah, yeah. Like some, YouTube, hey. I mean, I'd rather have them watch just some movie rather than the YouTube garbage all yeah. the time. Just, yeah. that just drives me insane. I just. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff out there. You know, you, you could maybe do what Val did when we, we, we had a, uh, way back when uh, uh, watching a, uh, something in the van meant getting a, actual vcr and sitting it yes, in the yeah, aisle yeah, between yep. the seats <laughs> yeah. that's what we had we went on a trip to washington dc so mm-hmm. five boys in the extended length ford van yep. full-size van and uh, they could each choose i don't know two tapes from the library or something sure so we ran through what the kids had fairly quickly <laughs> and then val had her own tapes and Uh-oh. it was things like how to clean windows <laughs> How to wash Did she a go kitchen to the library? Floor. Yeah. 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 That's and awesome. They sat there and watched them for <laughs> it was, miles it and was miles something and to miles. do rather than nothing, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I, I so. mean, a lot of my YouTube is spent, how do you wire this oh, thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Instructional videos. Yeah. So. What do you do when you want a three-way switch? Uh, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's well, like, that, that is a big uh, help, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's like so a little we're classroom gonna, right there on your floor. Learning how to do what? is going to happen when we go to put the backsplash up in the kitchen. How do you uh, put tile on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So valuable. Yes. It can be very valuable. Otherwise you, or you can you get learn lost. It yourself and fail and try and fail and try and fail. <laughs> yeah, that and... is not, no, that would be an expensive lesson. Uh, well, it's like self-driving cars. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, speakers is Beth Moore, mm. you know, uh, Beth Moore. And she, uh, she was uh, going through the passage of the scripture where, where David was failing on multiple levels and mostly as a, as a parent. And his lack of discernment opened up uh, an attack on his daughter. Uh, 
and a sexual assault and David's lack of action after that left one son dead and another one estranged and set in motion a rebellion in the kingdom. So Beth Moore said that David's failure as a parent in these instances stemmed from his crushing burden of shame that he felt over past sexual sin. So here's Beth Moore, and she's asking us, uh, our modern-day parents, how we've been hamstrung by shame and allowed it to affect our ability to parent. You and I need to know what to do with what we feel. We got some big things going on, and, and they need tending to. And I want you to notice that we're told that King David was furious. Now, he did nothing else, absolutely nothing. You can check the account out for yourself. Nothing else but get mad. And, and these little words came to me, a little rhyme came to me. No one's glad dad's just mad. Who's glad that dad's just mad? We, we want to be glad because God, because God used dad to do more than get mad. But sometimes when it's, it's a wonder that we ever bring some of these things to the people that we love because if all they're going to do is get mad, if all they're going to do is get angry, then, then what have we done? We just stirred up a rage and he stopped right there. What do you do with that fury? Listen, he had the authority to do something about it. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. But what I want to present to you, and I'm praying somebody is going to get a word today. Listen carefully. What I believe had happened to David is that years before, he had really blown it, especially in an area of sexual sin. And he felt, I believe, like that hamstrung him, that he had lost the right to be able to call sin a sin. And we got parents all over the place like this that have backgrounds of, of sexual dysfunction like I do and, and um, uh, in, entangled relationships and, and just, uh, just serious sin in their past. And that when they come into the, the role as parent, they're unable to do the things they need to do with their children and say the things they need to say because they feel like a big hypocrite. I'm asking you, did you repent? David had repented. He had won back the right to be father and authority over his home and say, even if I did it wrong, this is what God says is right. And it is still what I'm going to insist upon to the degree that I am able in my own house and under my own roof. There are consequences to this. Amnon needed to be dealt with. He needed himself to be incarcerated. David had the power to do it, but he would not because he was hamstrung by his own shame. Let me tell you, it'll keep us from being the parents that we need to be, from being the friends we need to be, the spouses we need to be, because we've never dealt with our shame. We've asked for forgiveness, but we've not allowed God to come and bring us back our dignity. Well, that's it for this podcast, Kwame and Company podcast number... 17. Thank you, 17. You're welcome. I have no idea what's coming next time, so we'll have to drum up something, I guess. <laughs> It'll be next. Uh, there, These are released on what? Tuesdays and uh, Thursdays? Or? Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays uh, last, and Fridays. last week I failed a little. Tuesday came on Wednesday and I have a feeling, you know, well, this one will be happens. Wednesday and Friday too. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, all two we, of our we listeners. We go for Tuesday and Friday. That's what we're aiming for. Yeah. All right. Five. I think we have five now. Okay. Well, we can we can uh, we can triple that this week if you oh. tell two friends to. There you, know, you go. Hey, here we go. Uh, let me help you uh, uh, pop this on your phone. Right. Okay. Sounds cool. good. Kwame and Company podcast. Of course, will Monday through Friday, six to nine. Kwame and Company on the radio, 
And Sunday morning, Lucy the dog and I here with uh, Kwame and Company weekend from 6 to 10. I don't know why it, what that means. Is when it was me and a dog, we get an extra hour. She doesn't talk huh. that much. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> why that is. Too bad. Yeah. All right. <laughs> See you later.